Amen. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. Verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, somebody say tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you, among you. We're going to talk on the subject prepared for promise. Prepared for promise. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning once again for your presence in this room. We can feel you. We know you're here. And so we just ask that your anointing that's always present go to work. Because it's your anointing that makes the difference. Your anointing breaks the yoke and sets the captive free. So we pray that your oil just settle down in this room. God, we beat back depression in Jesus' name. We beat back anxiety in Jesus' name. We beat back worry in Jesus' name. And God, we stand on your promise that the best is yet to come. And we just ask you that you would uh, enlighten the eyes of your, our understanding today. Help us to step into a new revelation of who you are, of who we are. And of where we're going. We love you. We glorify you. We ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Prepared for his promise. Say that to your neighbor next to you as you're seated. Prepared for promise. Prepared for promise. If you're a part of Quest Church. And you follow us on social media in any way. You've seen Pastor Rick posting recently concerning 2022. He hasn't downloaded us with much, but one thing we do know is that he heard from the Lord that this would be, 2022 would be the year of covenant, the year of covenant, and under, underscored that with this sentence, living in his promises, living in his promises. Now, when my man of God makes a statement like that, those words don't come to me flippantly. They come to me with an immense amount of purpose and an immense amount of urgency. If, if God is speaking that for this year, then my role, or at least the way I see it, is I need to get up under that word and begin to prepare myself for what is on the way. We live on the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? We live by the word of God. If I don't have a word from the Lord, I don't know where I am going. I know that he has ordered my steps, but I need to hear from him concerning what that step should be. That's why, a side note, it is so important to be in the house of God or to watch online. You need to be under the declaration of the word of God. Why? So that you can see, feel, and experience the direction of the Lord for your life and for your family. Can I get an amen? So this is a year of covenant living in his promises. And so in our text... Joshua is speaking to the people of God and he tells them sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The interesting thing about where the people are, of God are at in this text is that they're facing a place, they're facing a promise, they're facing a purpose that they've never experienced before. They've never been to this place. What they have experienced is bondage. What they have experienced is oppression. What they have experienced is wandering. 
What they have experienced is wondering. What they have experienced is waking up to manna in the morning. God provided for them. They didn't have to work for it. It was just given to them. What they've experienced is a dry season. What they experienced is 40 years of this, a generation. So now they're facing a place, a, a, a promise, a purpose that they've never experienced before. Pastor Rick says it like this. He's even preached a message here and in the past on it. He, they are learning to live in a place they've never been. They are learning to live in a place they've never been. When I look at the people of God uh, in this generation and where we are as a church body, there is no doubt that we are learning to live in a place we've never been. Amen. We're learning to live in a place we've never been. Now, people in the, in the body of Christ in past generations may have experienced some of the things that we are, but they're not here today. They're not here today. So we are learning to live or facing a, 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 a space, a place, a promise, a purpose that we have never faced before. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And so Joshua tells the people of God, he admonishes them to sanctify themselves. What he's telling them is be prepared or prepare yourself for where you're going. Prepare yourself for where you're going. Preparation is the act or the process of making ready for use. The act or process of making ready for use. To make ready. That's what prepare means. To make ready. Sanctify. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person or that thing apart for the intended use of its designer. I'm going to say that again. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for use, for the use intended by its designer. Here's an example. A pen is sanctified when you're using it to write. A pen just being placed on a shelf does not sanctify it because you separated it from other pens. A pen is sanctified when you put it to paper and you begin to use it. That is sanctified. To sanctify, the generic meaning of sanctification is this. The state of proper functioning. The state of proper functioning. The state of proper functioning. To be effective in seasons like this, and I'm going to teach this morning just like I did last week. I'm not trying to preach to you this morning. I feel a, a mandate more to ready us for where God is taking us Amen. more than I feel the mandate to give you direction concerning where God is taking us. That's our pastor's job. Amen. Especially when we cross into a new year, it puts a, a prophetic edge on the people of God because we have this notion that God is doing something new, and he is. And he gives us a mandate for what that direction is. What I notice, especially in, time, in, in current times, is that we neglect to do the proper make ready for that project. We, we fail to do the proper preparation or make the proper preparations so that when we step out into this new promise or into this new direction that we're effective in it. Now, to be effective in seasons like this, it is imperative that you have a prophetic voice. A prophetic voice. That word prophetic isn't necessarily understood to, a, to its full efficacy nowadays, so I just want to make it real simple. A prophetic voice is a voice that declares into your future the word of God. 
Pastor says it like this. Prophecy is more telling forth than it is foretelling. We're not going to a psychic when we get a prophetic word. It's not reading your future. When we have a prophetic voice, it's a voice that is under the inspiration and the anointing of God that is speaking into our future and telling it to get in line with us and with what God wants for us. So in seasons like this, when we're stepping into a place or a space that is not uh, familiar to us and we're going into new places, especially in times like these where there's a lot of questions, there's been a lot of waiting and wandering, and there's been a lot of trouble as we've said many times, we're dealing with a lot of sick people in our church. Why? That's the question. Why aren't they healed sooner? And we have a lot of questions. When we're facing these type of moments, it's imperative that you have a prophetic voice in your life that you sit under. Can I get an amen? For these people, it was Joshua. A prophet is a seer. And for these people, it was Joshua. Because Joshua saw the land... As a place of promise. He saw it through the lens of promise. God promised the people of God a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Simply put, he promised them a land of plenty and a land of pleasure. He promised them a land where they would walk in purpose. And so Joshua saw this promise or, or saw this place through a lens of promise. Listen to what he didn't do, because in 40 years prior, you have Moses sending 12 spies into the same land. When they come back, and the purpose of sending them in was to scout the land and see what needed to be done in order to occupy the promise that God had given them. When these 12 spies come back, and I want to I talk about those 12 spies just for a moment, because they were designated men. There were men from every tribe. These were leaders. These weren't just anybody. These were people that the that these were men that the people of God looked to for leadership. And when they came back of the 12, 10 of them said, no way. Only Joshua and Caleb said, it is ours and we can take it. Because even in that moment, Joshua was looking through the lens of promise. He wasn't looking through the lens of problems. When he looked at it, he didn't let the challenge that he saw keep him from what God said he didn't let the current state of things in that land keep him from what God said he did not let the past the mindset of oppression and burden and wandering and wilderness and desert he didn't allow the past mindsets and experience to distort what he was looking at that god said that was my promise so he looked at it through the lens of promise so when Joshua speaks to the people of God and he tells them, sanctify yourself, for tomorrow God will do wonders for you or through you or in your midst, it's because he's looking through the lens of promise. And he knows if God said it, that settles in it. It doesn't matter if there's a giant there. It doesn't matter if there's more of them than there are of us. God said it. And so I'm looking through that lens. We need a man of God, a woman of God to be that kind of voice in our life in seasons like this. 
because when we go through work every day or we watch the news every day or we start scrolling through social media every day, whatever the case may be, we look at the state of things. We look at the challenge of things. We look what's happened over the past and I'm sorry, but it's discouraging with relation to where God has us placed in our future. So when we hear a prophetic word that our best is yet to come, that God's going to bring prosperity to our lives, that we're going to live in health, that we're going to live in wealth, we have doubts that naturally gravitate toward us because there's too much out there to the contrary. So you need a voice in your life that speaks contrary to those things. For the word, or we could say for the prophetic word, to have the proper impact on our life, we must prepare ourselves to receive it. And we must prepare ourselves to act on it. We must be prepared to receive it and prepared to act on it. 2022, the year of covenant. So here's the deal. If, if he declared that, then you know what I plan to do this year? I plan to live in the promises of God. I plan to live in them. If the promises of God are yes and amen, first of all, yes, that's a positive. That's a good answer. That's not a, that's not a rejection. That's a permission. Yes, it's yours. It's positive. It's for you. If that's the case, then I'm living in that promise. And amen. Amen means it is finished, that, that it's settled. So his promises are for you and they are settled. Nobody can change the promises of God for you. The question is, will you walk in them or not? Will you walk in them or not? So I plan to live in the promises of God. Living in the promises of God are, is predicated on whether you are in covenant with him or not. So when I say prepared for promise, I know that there's a word coming in the next few weeks. I'm not even privy to all that's part of it, but I know there's a lot of promise wrapped up in that word. So you know what my goal is to do is to prepare myself to receive that so that when it comes, I'm ready to step right in it. There's no delay from when that word comes to when I act on it. Can I get an amen to that? Too often, word comes and we delay. Why? Because we're pondering whether we want to receive it or not. We're speculating on whether that's applicable to my life or not. We're trying to see, is that really a word from God or is that just a cute little soliloquy out of the Bible that somebody was able to make up? As the people of God, it's our responsibility to prepare ourselves to receive the word of God and, pre and be prepared to act on that word. Can I get an amen? amen? There is definitely a word for me and I'm going to live in it and I'm going to walk in it. Can I get an amen? amen? There's a word for you coming in the next few weeks. Are you ready to live in it? Are you ready to walk in it? Matthew 4, Jesus said, Jesus said this, man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It literally means that the word is still coming. That the word is still flowing. That's the actual word. That the word is still flowing out of the mouth of God. Here's the root. It's what carries one or leads one in their journey or their quest. The word that proceedeth is what carries one on their journey. See, religious strongholds will lock us into our past. Religious strongholds, what do, what do I mean by that? It's past mindsets will keep us in a box. 
What we've been taught in the past will keep us in a box. So here we have a generation that's coming out of the wilderness. They're coming out of the desert. They have a framework of how life goes. And they're stepping into a new place where life isn't going to be the same. They're not going to wake up to manna every morning. See, manna was a miracle of God, and they experienced that miracle. And thank God for it, because they lived on that miracle for 40 years. As a matter of fact, if that miracle doesn't come to pass, they cannot live for 40 years. God provided for them in a miraculous way. But when you step into the promised land, that manna isn't going to show up anymore. Why? Because God has an expectation that you're going to elevate, that you're going to go up. You can't be having milk and honey if you're counting on manna in the morning. And the truth of the matter is, people of God, we're about to step into a land, a place of promise, where God has milk and honey waiting on us. And the question is, are you going to be holding on to your manna in the desert? He's still speaking. He's still writing his story. He's still moving. And, the question, and what he's looking for is people to carry the move, people to continue writing that story. Can I get an amen? amen? So the premise of all of this is that we need a word and we need to be prepared for that word because we're facing a place we've never been to before. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Prepare yourself, sanctify yourself, set yourself apart. I want you to go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We'll begin in verse 4. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the, plants, the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up. The thorns grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much, listen to that, it was a hundred times as much as had been planted. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he said all this, listen to what Jesus says. When he says all this, he calls out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Another version says, he who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear. Hear what? The word of the Lord. His disciples ask him what this parable means. And he replies, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled when they look they won't really see when they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable, Jesus said. The seed is God's word. The seed is God's word. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fall on the footpath represent those who hear the message 
only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, wow, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation or trouble. The seeds that fell among thorns represent, represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And so they never grow into maturity or what they were intended to be. And the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. I want to pause right there. He put a lot on that person. They got to be good, honest, good-hearted. They got to hear the word. They got to cling to that word. And then they got to patiently, that's already a troubling word, and produce. Wow. And all seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Verse 16. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open. Everything that is concealed will be brought into the light and made known to all. Listen to Jesus' instruction. So pay attention to how you hear. I'll say it again. Pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Interesting verse of scripture. How does that relate to our text? Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people. In that crowd, there are some distinctions. There's a crowd, there's his family, and there's his disciples. And he speaks to them and he gives them a word. Okay? Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow I will do wonders among you. And so he got, uh, Jesus is speaking and he's speaking concerning the word. And he says when a farmer comes, he's going to spread his seed on a field. And the farmer is going to experience loss. How? Because some of that seed is going to fall by the wayside. Some of that seed is going to fall on rocky places. Some of that seed is going to fall on thorny places. But most of that seed is going to fall on good ground. And for the good ground that it falls on, it's going to have a crop of a hundredfold. So, even though there's going to be loss on those other places... What it produces in the good place will far exceed the loss, so it's worth it. Amen. Right? I'm a man of faith. How many of you would say you're a person of faith? Raise your hand. 
A lot of people would. As a matter of fact, today, in today's day and age, if you ask somebody what religion they follow or whatever, uh, they may not identify as a Christian or a Buddhist or whatever, but they will say something like, I'm spiritual or I'm a, I'm a person of faith, I'm a person of faith. Reality is you're not really a person of faith unless you're walking in truth. You're not really a person of faith unless you're walking in truth. You're not even really a person of faith if you don't sit under the word of God because it's by faith comes by hearing and hearing by the so whatever you're living by, if you call it faith, it's not really faith because it's not by the word of God. But I would call myself a person of faith, and I'm a believer. Because I'm a person of faith, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I believe in the Lord. I believe he sent his son Jesus to come to the earth and die on the cross for my sins. I believe he went to hell, and I believe he was there for three days, and I believe he came, rose again from the grave, and defeated death, hell, and the grave. I believe he walked on this earth for 40 days afterwards, or, and then I b believe he went and he sits on the, uh, the right hand of the Father, right, right there up on his throne, and he ever makes intercession for me. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Because I'm a believer, I have expectation. Because I'm a believer, I have expectation. My faith is and my expectation is that God will do what he said he would do. God will do what he said. I'm also a believer and I have faith because I've experienced God do some things. Can I get anybody to testify with that? Uh, I, I'm also a believer because I look across this sanctuary and I think of those that I've lived my life with. And I can tell you this, God has done some great things for you and for those that I know. And because of that, I have faith that God will do a thing. I have expectation. Whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm going through, I have the assumption that God is either working through it or he's working with it. But I believe that he is, and regardless, blessing and progress are on the other side of whatever it is I'm going through. I could be going through something good. I could be going through something bad. But my expectation, my assumption, is that God is working in it, with it, or through it. Can I get an amen to that? But this perspective is predicated on how I hear this expectation is predicated on the word and how I hear it. So pay attention to how you hear. So faith then comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How is part of my life. How I hear it is part of my life. Pastor Rick texted me last night and he said, man, I was encouraged by how many people watched the live feed I had on last night. And my knee-jerk reaction was, Pastor Rick, we love you and what you say matters. What you say matters. Why? Because Pastor Rick is this almighty something another and we worship him? Absolutely not. Because God designated him as our man of God. And you know what? God speaks to him things that he doesn't speak to me. He speaks to him for me as a matter of fact. And so I'm thankful for that. So when he speaks, it matters. So I'm listening. When I'm reading the word, I'm not just reading it. I'm trying to see what God is saying in it. How are you hearing? I'm asking you to that today. Are you part of the crowd that needs a story to get you to Jesus? Or are you part of the disciples who somehow had a distinction in that they were close enough to be able to ask Jesus, what does this mean? And they were close enough to get a response. They were close enough to him to get a response on what the word meant. 
They didn't understand. So they asked, and God gave them clarity. Why? Because they were close enough to him. I'm scared of the body of Christ being too far away from Jesus or too caught up in a crowd to hear what he's saying, how they're hearing is wrong. They're receiving the word with joy, but it's not bringing them to full maturity. Why? Because they have no root. And by Monday, they're too concerned with what's going on at work or the next cool thing they're going to buy at the store or the next gadget that's coming out or the next trend on social media or the next political failure that's going to happen and rile them up and get them tooting a horn for. And so no word is producing fruit because it's how we're hearing. I'm scared of that because the truth of the matter is we've heard this prophetic word probably for five to ten years, maybe longer. The next greatest revival that the world has ever seen is right on the horizon. It's right on the horizon. If that's the word of the Lord, then here's the guarantee. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Isaiah 55, 11 tells us that when the word of the Lord goes forth, it doesn't return to us void. It accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. But you know what? Sometimes it gets delayed. Sometimes it gets delayed. I, I dare say that the people of God had to wait 40 years to get into the promise because 10 guys didn't know how to hear the word of God. So they weren't looking through the lens of promise. They were looking through the lens of problem and past. And they didn't think they could, they didn't, first of all, they didn't think they deserved it. Secondly, they didn't think they had what it took to possess it. And so no way. And so God delays promise for 40 years so that he can get that whole mindset gone. My question to you is this. Are you part of that generation? Or are you prepared for promise? Challenge. It's a challenging word. Later in, the, in, in Luke, just past the reading of our text, it says that Jesus' mom and brothers were trying to get to him, but he couldn't get to him because of the crowd, right? And Jesus responds like this, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. It seems like he's being real snarky to his parents, his mom and his brothers, right? My, my mother and my brothers are those that hear the word of God and do it. What is he saying? Those who are in covenant with me, hear my word and act on my word. Those who are in covenant with me, my mother and my brothers, are those that hear the word and act on it. Faith is found in the action behind it, not in the confession of it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If that is true, then the reality is faith is, is manifest through action. Faith is not manifest through belief. I can believe that chair can hold me up all day long, but until I sit down on it, I have not acted in faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gives your hope, listen to this, faith gives your hope a platform to become a reality. Faith gives your hope a platform to become a reality. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Why? Because the action of faith provides the proof behind your belief. I'm in covenant with those who hear the word and do the word. Joshua 3. 
for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Here's what he means. Here's what he means. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a wonders in this regard, that there's going to be a, a big old desert, and then all of a sudden there's going to be an oasis that just appears out of the desert, and there's a wonder, a miracle, right? What he's saying here is this. I'm going to do separate and distinct things with you. When it's all going wrong for them, it's going to be going right for you. I don't know if you're hearing me. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. God's going to do wonders among you. It literally means he's going to accomplish things that have been too difficult for you to accomplish. There are people in this room, there are people watching right now that you've been fighting things and trying to accomplish things. You've been going after what you know God has told you to do and it's just been too difficult for you to get, a, get it accomplished. Every time you've taken a step forward, there's been some kind of obstacle or some kind of opposition that steps in the way and bumps you back three steps and you feel like with every one step of progress, you're losing ground with the op opposition or obstacle you're facing. And here's what I'm, I'm telling you right now. If we prepare for promise, we're about to see wonders tomorrow may not be today but our faith and our action now our preparation now will give us the opportunity to see those things come to fruition tomorrow Amen. last thing it means is to reveal things that have been hidden reveal things that have been hidden hidden not from you but hidden for you things that have been hidden see here here's where I'd like to hit a little religious issue so Luke chapter 8, Jesus talks about this, things that are hidden, right? Jesus talks about this. He says, uh, first of all, he tells them, the disciples, because the disciples were distinct from the crowd, right? They were close enough to come to him and get clarity and understanding regarding the word that he gave. He, they were there, so they were really in tune with how they were hearing, so they were asking questions. They wanted understanding. And so the first thing that Jesus tells them is that you are permitted, listen to this, you are permitted to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. You are permitted to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And then later he tells them, no one lights a lamp and covers it with a bowl or hides it. The lamp is placed on a stand so the light can be seen by everybody. And then he says this, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought into light and made known to all. The purpose of the light wasn't to expose your secrets. It was to expose his secrets. Religion has used that verse of scripture to beat us down and let us know that God brings everything into the light. And we live and serve him in fear and not in faith. But the reality of the word is when he's saying it, he's not saying it in the context to, con to condemn you or bring condemnation to you. He's bringing this, this, this word to you to let you know, you know what? I'm about to walk you right into things you never even could imagine because they're secrets that belong to you that you can only get by walking in the kingdom of God. We've been beaten down too long. Too long by religion. Why? Because religion wants to keep us in this box. Religion wants to do that. What is religion? Religion is a mindset that you generate based on teachings that you've heard in the past. Some of those teachings are principles that come alive in your life. If you act on them, they'll bring life to you. But others are not. 
They're just frameworks that some guy way back in the day decided was a good idea to gain control and to gain manipulation over people. And just they built on it over years and years and years and years. And so now we look at it as truth. And the reality is there's no truth in it at all. God did not give us this light. God did not give us this light to expose us and all of our, defo- do you think he needs the light to do that? God can see what's wrong with us. He's not trying to show everybody else what's wrong with you. Our strength is made, per- or his strength is made perfect in our weakness. He knows what our weaknesses are. He designed us. He made us. And thank God we have those weaknesses or we would never have a reason to lean on God and to trust in God. And he uses those weaknesses to lead us to him. Not embarrass us and shame us in front of a group of people. The light he gave is to show you his secrets. To show you his secrets. How you hear, how you hear. What I'm concerned about is this. God gave us this light. What is the light? The light is the word. Read John chapter 1, little homework Bible study for you. Told you I was going to teach this morning. The first thing God creates is light. Well, he created the heavens and the earth first. And then the first thing he does in the seven days of creation is he says, let there be light. And he creates light and he distinguishes darkness from light. And he does that on purpose because there has to be a distinction between light and darkness immediately. There has to be, and we don't have time to go into that, but that's what it is. Side note, uh, 2022, uh, I did a quick study on this, or not a quick study, I did some study on this last year before we were crossing over. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. 22 lovers in the Hebrew alphabet. And so they say that the number 22 represents the word of God. Why? Because the word of God was written in Hebrew. And those 22 letters make up the word of God. And so that is the word of God. And the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so uh, some people say that number 22 represents illumination or revelation or light. And so that's just a side note. That's for you. Okay, so. Needless information, not necessarily needless, but you can use that somewhere down the line. So God gives us this light, and the reason he gives it to us is so that there's a distinguishing mark between darkness and light, right? And he gives us this light to give us illumination or revelation into the secrets or mysteries of the kingdom of God. Tapping into those secrets and mysteries, also known as principles, when you tap into them and walk in them, it brings life to your life. It brings abundance to your life. It brings health to your life. brings fulfillment to your life. It enables you to grow. It enables you to walk. enables you to produce. When you're walking in that, that's when you can say that you're one of those uh, 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 people that are fertile ground and receiving the word and producing a big harvest. Amen? The problem I see right now is I see the people of God uh, like uh, 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 an adolescent kid or a little kid that is standing by a light switch and realizes that when he flicks it up, it turns on, and when he flicks it off, it goes off. And so he does it again and then again. And then he starts playing with the lights because he likes that it goes on and off. You know what the problem is with that? And then immediately, what do we do? Stop playing with the lights. Stop playing with the lights because we're concerned that it's going to blow out a light bulb or something's going to catch on fire or, or grandma's going to have a seizure. Something's going to happen, you know? And so 
the lights are going on and off. And so what I see in this generation is the people of God standing by the light switch and they're playing with the lights. They, they show up on Sunday morning, they flick it on. They leave for lunch, they flick it off. They wake up sick, they flick it on. And they flick it off. You know what the problem is with playing with the lights? It creates disorientation. It creates disorientation. So you get a, a glimpse of what it looks like. You get a glimpse of it. And the next thing you know, you're disoriented because it's going so fast. And, that's, and you know why? that It messes with the neurological system. And that's why when the strobes happen, it does cause seizures and different things because it messes with the brain. And so what I see happening spiritually is people playing with the lights and they're living a distorted, disoriented life and they can't figure out why. And it's because they've never come into a maturity in their walk with the Lord because of how they hear. Because this generation wants it all to be quick and easy and handed to me. And there's no work in it. The reality is, in order to walk in promise, you have to be prepared for it and you have to act on it. It's totally predicated on you. It's not predicated on God alone. I'll just say this, leave this statement here. Any covenant you enter in is only as good as both parties involved. If you want to live in the promises that God's covenant offers you, there's a lot of obligation on your end. And you better be prepared to walk in it. The other thing that playing with those lights causes is it's a danger. Like I said, it could cause a fire, cause this, that, and the other. You're wondering why calamity is happening all around you. Maybe you should stop playing with the lights. Now, Jesus gave revelation to his disciples when they asked because they had distinguished themselves from the crowd. They had spent enough time with Jesus to be called his disciples. And because of it, they were in covenant with him, and he revealed to him the secret of the word. Right? Because of it, they had access to the promise. The seed in them would produce a hundredfold because of how they heard. How made the difference. How made the difference. I'm going to give you five keys for preparing for promise, and then we're going to go. Five keys for preparing for promise. I'll just give these to you fast. You can take them home and study them them number one sanctify yourself sanctify yourself this is also a religious word we think that it means that we need to uh, have a 12-hour repentance prayer session for all the sins that we've committed over the past year that never asked God for forgiveness for you know what part of that is true you do need to ask the Lord for forgiveness and repent repent is more important than asking for forgiveness. Repentance is a change of mind. It's not a confession. It's a change of heart. It's not a confession. That's what repentance is. Repentance is an attitude. It's not, it's not just something you say or do. It's bigger than that. Sanctify yourself. Sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart. Step back into the role that God designed you for. 
Step back into the person God designed you to be. How do you do that? You spend time with the designer. And you'll learn more about the design. This week, you have an opportunity to set a pattern for yourself. We've designated the next seven days from this Sunday to next Sunday for prayer and fasting and consecration for this year. So we're taking these five, even though we're only gathering here on Monday through Friday for 30 minutes, that's not the consecration. The prayer and consecration isn't the 30 minutes we spend together. That's just so that we can come together at a set time as a family and pray together. The idea is that you and your family will take the next seven days and pray and fast. I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial. Prayer and fasting isn't a condiment. Prayer and fasting is a life source. When I buy McNuggets, I have a choice of all the sauces I can use. I'm not trying to get a sauce. Prayer and fasting isn't the McNugget, and it ain't the sauce. It's the air I breathe that keeps me alive. You can't live without prayer and fasting. It's not extra in your life. It is what you need to survive. This is a great opportunity to sanctify yourself. Sanctification comes through prayer and fasting. Why does sanctification come through prayer and fasting? Because by fasting, you are denying your flesh, and you are denying fleshly desires. As a result of it, you're waking up your spirit and strengthening your spirit. Fasting is not just abstinence from food, but you're replacing that abstinence with prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is not just supplication or requests unto the Lord for what you need or what you want. Prayer is dialogue with the Lord. Prayer is communion with the Lord. Prayer is time spent with the Lord. You know what? Me and my wife can spend time together and be, be together for over an hour, two hours, and maybe we only say a few words to one another, but you'd be surprised how much those two hours just together means to the two of us. Why? Because we spent time together. That's prayer. That's prayer. You need time with the Lord. The people of God have walked away from the practicalities and fundamentals of Christian living for far too long. And those fundamentals, those practicalities are what bring us life. And they're what, what, what enable us to walk in power. The power that Jesus came to give us so that we could be different in the earth. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Sanctify yourself. Live authentically. Sanctify yourselves. Designated for a specific use, the use that the designer gave you. Stop trying to be somebody else. Live authentically. Live authentically. Set yourself apart. That's what sets you apart is what God made you to be. That's what sets you apart. The distinction is what God made you to be. Number one, sanctify yourself. Number two, key to prom uh, preparing for promise. Live on the word. Live on the word. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. To live on the word, you have to make time for it. You have to make time for it. Don't let the word just be an inspirational moment for you. The power of the word is that it, it is inspiring, inspirited, inspire, inspirited. That's where that word comes from, where the spirit inspires us. His spirit comes in us, makes us alive in that moment. It does that to awaken us. But that moment isn't supposed to stay there. In order to get understanding, you have to work on it. That's the power of the parable. Just because you receive the word with joy, but you have no root, root, it won't produce fruit. 
you won't come to maturity. So you have to spend time. Don't let it just be an inspirational moment. Change your perspective. I don't come to church to hear a nice uh, sermon that will help me live better this week. I come to church to hear the word of God. I don't approach the Bible to read a cool story concerning my faith. I read the Bible to build my faith. I read the Bible to hear the oracles of God. Live on the word. Number one, sanctify yourself. Number two, live on the word. Number three, build your faith. Build your faith. Joshua said, sanctify yourselves, listen, for tomorrow. For tomorrow. Live with expectation. Proclaim it. Say it. Speak it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Stop speaking all the negative. Stop speaking all the negative. Stop letting all the negative in. You know what? I watch the news maybe once every two weeks. The reason I do that is because it's nothing but negative. I do need to know what's going on, but I'm not going to watch it every day, all day. You know why? Because I'm not going to let that negativity infiltrate my brain. That's not happening. I don't go on social media as much as I used to. As a matter of fact, I've eliminated being able to see a lot of feeds. Why? Because I'm not going to let those, that negativity infiltrate my brain. I want you to, to live with expectation for tomorrow. He, he, spoke, he spoke expectation into the people of God. You have to speak it. Start saying I am healed. Start saying I am wealthy. Start saying I am the head and not the tail. Start saying I am blessed and I am not cursed. Start saying I'm going to have a better job this next week. Start saying my family's going to get saved. Start saying things with expectation. The more you speak it, the more your faith will build up in your life can I get an amen? amen so number one sanctify yourself number two live on the word number three build your faith number four let go of the past let go of the past religious strongholds will strangle the promise of God right out of your life religious strongholds will strangle the word of God right out of your life let go of the past Joshua chapter 3 he tells them, sanctify, and then they cross over. Joshua chapter 4, they make a memorial and thank God for what he's done. The great thing about that, when they're done making the memorial, you know what happened? The Jordan River that, that dried up filled back up again. Why? Because their past was being cut off. The next thing they do is they go to Gilgal and they make covenant with the, with the Lord. And there's circumcision there. Why? Because they're not going to carry the bondage and the burden of yesterday with them into their promise. It's the first thing God wanted them to do was to cut it off. Somebody say cut it off. Cut off your past. Don't carry the bondage mentality into your purpose. Cut it off. Don't carry an oppressed mentality into your promise. Cut it off. Don't carry a wilderness mentality into your promise. Cut it off. Don't carry a depressed mentality into your promise. Cut it off. Don't carry anxiety into your promise. Cut it off. Don't carry entitlement into your promise. Cut it off. Somebody say cut it off. Let go of the past. Why? Because he will do wonders. He will do distinct things with you. That is where the promise comes alive in you. And God starts doing things through your life. God doesn't bless you because he loves you so much. He blesses you to be a blessing. Yes, he loves you, but he loves everybody you work with. Yes, he loves you, but he loves everybody on your street. 
And you know why he picked you? Because he wants to bless your socks off so that you can be a blessing. So that when people look at you, there's a distinguishing mark about you. God did wonders for you. I need to serve the same God that you serve. God healed you. I need healing in my life. God delivered you. I need deliverance in my life. Live with expectation and let go of the past in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Sanctify yourselves, live on the word, build your faith, let go of the past, and finally, go all in. Go all in. Go all in. Go all in. When Jesus is speaking about the people that hear the word the right way, he says this, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, persevering they produce a crop in Joshua chapter 5 you'll see that the people of God sacrificed there they sacrificed there they sacrificed before they ever experienced promise in in Luke 8 we see them persevering why because the reason they'll persevere or go through the severity that they're dealing with or or hold on through it all is because they've gone all in covenant only works Covenant only works when you're all the way in, when you've invested in it. When you enter into a covenant, you, and you, it, it's like I said a few minutes ago, covenant only works, is only as good as the two people that are there. God clearly went all in by sending his only begotten son to die on a cross. The question is, are you all the way in? What sacrifice have you made? What buy-in have you given? In poker, when you go all in, that means all your chips are in the middle. You're trusting that that hand you're holding is going to win. You're willing to bet it all. When I look at Jesus, when I look at my promise, when I look at where I'm headed, when I look at what he said to me, I can't help it. i got to push it all in. I'm not going to live with one foot in and one foot out. When those Israelites sanctified themselves... They had an expectation that God really was going to do wonders among them. So those priests that are carrying the Ark of the Covenant are looking at the Jordan River. It's flooded. It's at flood stage, right? And they're looking at this Jordan River. If it's at flood stage, that means that, man, the current must have been fast. There must have been a bunch of debris in that water. The Bible, I mean, historians say that the lions come out of the thickets when it's at flood stage, there was a lot they were facing right there. And you have four priests, four guys, carrying an ark made of acacia wood, which is iron wood, which is dense, really heavy. It's overlaid with gold, which makes it even heavier. And it's filled with the commandments and the rod and the promises of God are in that thing. What they're carrying is heavy, not to mention the pressure of it's my job to step into this flood first to get them to a promise, just the four of us. They're carrying everything. They're carrying the hope, the presence of God. They're carrying hope for a people. And watch what they do. They go all in. They stepped out and acted on what God said they acted on the word, and when they did, a whole generation got to live in promise. 
a whole generation got to live in promise. And so did they. And so did they. My challenge to the people of God today is this. Prepare yourselves this week. Take this week, Quest Church. Quest Church. Take, your, take this week and begin to sanctify yourself. Ask yourself some tough questions. Ask yourself, what practices do I have active in my life? What practicalities am I living out? And do I have a prayer life? Am I living on God's word? Do I have any expectation? Am I building my faith? Or am I playing with the lights? Is the distortion and the disorientation of my life because I'm playing with God? Or is it because I'm dealing with something and I just need to have faith in him? I'm challenging the people of God to prepare yourselves because the truth of the matter is there's no big drums going off and the lights aren't going crazy. We don't have this big inspirational moment right now. Just very practically, I'm telling you that the promises of God are going to come alive in your life this year. If you want them to, they will. If you walk in covenant with the Lord, they will. The question is, are you prepared to walk in that promise? In the coming weeks and months, man, God's going to start doing things in this church that are going to be miraculous. Tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among us. He's going to do the things that were too difficult to do. That family member you thought would never get saved is going to get saved this year in Jesus' name. This year in Jesus' name.